Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Midnight at Bradshaw, show 51. And this is Midnight in Paris, part two. And I'm still in the studio with cryptocurrency enthusiast Paris Brooks. All right, Paris. Yeah, mate. How you going? Yeah, good. So, right, show one, we covered your journey up to this point, and crypto, we're just about to touch on your first experience of crypto. This stemmed initially then, so your business mind was probably switched on when you were at university because you Mm -hmm. studied business management and you got into the family business. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from a a young age, I was working with my family. So we used to be in retail, women's uh, retail fashion. So from the age of Nine, I was in the shops when someone couldn't look after me. Trying on all the dresses. Yeah. (laughs) I've worn a dress on occasion. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. More doing the boring jobs like separating hangers, stock take. You catch me back, I've been doing spinning around (laughs) twirling with all trying all the outfits on, I think. Cheap, cheap slave labour. So so yeah, I studied international business management in university. Uh, it was a part-time, well, it was full-time, but you only went in for two full days rather than having lectures sporadically over the week. So it worked out perfectly for me. So what I did is I worked part-time during the weekends behind a bar, usually Friday, Saturday and Sunday if there was anything on. And then during the week, I'd either be at uni or be in Manchester working in our showroom. Because we went from, at this point, we weren't doing retail anymore and we were doing wholesaling. Right. And this sort of was your first taste of really, I don't know, money, making money, how it all works and yeah, switch yeah. your brain on a little bit here. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Crypto then, in your show notes, this is the first time you encounter or become aware of crypto. Yeah. So how did that come about? So how I discovered crypto was through the dark web. There's a website called, or there was a website called Silk Road, which was essentially the eBay of drugs. Yes, so I'd heard about this. There's a documentary about it, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called... Pirate something he was called. The guy, wasn't he? Who did yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's based on... It's called Silk Road because of Alibaba or something, isn't it? Right. Dread Pirate Roberts or something was his name or something. Something was, like Something that. like that, yeah. So I've looked into it. I've gone on it. I've figured out how to go on the dark web. You have to download the Tor browser and use like yeah. weird web addresses, which are just letters and numbers. Go on it find Silk Road. I'm like, oh, brilliant. I can buy drugs. How do you buy it? It's like thinking I can just put my credit card in and then it comes up with Bitcoin. So I'm yeah. like, hell's a Bitcoin. So then I researched what Bitcoin was. I went on Reddit forums, started reading about it. And there were obviously people saying how to get it and how to use it to buy anything online. There were also people saying, this is going to be worth a thousand pounds and a thousand dollars, sorry, in, a, in three, four years time. This is an investment. Yeah, and I, I had no investment knowledge at this point whatsoever. But there was something about it. You know, everyone was talking about this new thing, and I was always on a computer. Me growing up, if like you couldn't find me, I was on my computer doing something. Like, yeah. whenever someone in my family needs something done on the computer, I'm the guy to do it. And I'm not the most technical, uh, technically minded person with a computer, but I, I can I know my way around it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of understood what they were talking about, although I didn't at all because there wasn't much information on it at the time. Yeah, I decided to look into it, and the more I looked into it, the more I was like, "Yeah, this." It just, I just, I just knew that what they were saying was true. Yeah, if that makes sense. So I believed what they were saying, even though I didn't know 
really how to invest or really what it meant. It it's a way of moving money outside of banks, isn't yeah. it? You know, yeah, yeah, shifting. Yeah an economy that exists independent of banks. Yeah. And that's what was, I think, very attractive to everybody initially. Yeah. Uh, certainly if you're selling arms and laundering money and drugs, yeah. you know, this kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Tell us, because we've still got a bit more of your story to do before we go full on into crypto. But if you, and I couldn't believe these figures, some of these figures were quoted to me and I thought, obviously they've got that wrong. Obviously. Yeah. Do you think I'm an idiot? I looked them up. It's mind blowing. If you'd have put, three grand in then, which yeah. you did, but you mm -hmm. took the money back out initially, yeah. but what would it be worth now? Currently, it'd be about 150, 180, but at the peak of the run in 2017, 2018, it went up to 300,000. <laughs> I wish I had put three grand in then, but yeah. it's part of your journey. And in order, my journey is made up of, I don't call them mistakes, I call them lessons. Mm -hmm. And for me to be here now meditating, pretty happy, doing something I love, mm -hmm. surrounded by people I love, and, and having a, a pleasant life, I had to go through all those things. And I could look back and think, but I blew a few hundred grand on drugs at the time, or, or maybe because, you know, I, I ruined relationships, or, you know, I crashed cars, or all the things I did, and or I was violent, because I was very violent. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of those things, but it was, part, it was a necessary part of my journey. You know, and so they weren't it. mistakes, they were lessons. And some of them I had to learn many times, Yeah. you know. So you can always look back and think, oh, you know, it would have been 300 grand. But if you'd have made that money then, would you even be, you know, would well, you still be alive now? Maybe you would have been taking drugs. You don't know, I do would, you? I would have yeah. been 25 with 300,000 pounds and none of the knowledge that I acquired. Yeah. Um, because I wouldn't have had to. So I, I, I know I would have spunked it. Yeah. I know I would have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... We'll keep on with your life journey for a little while before we go full on crypto because I've got yeah, yeah. A, a rake of questions because I thought I knew quite a bit. And then when somebody asked me, I thought, actually, I don't know as much as I thought I did, mm -hmm. you know, and I maybe don't know very much at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a man who thinks he knows everything knows very little. A man who realizes how little he knows might know something, mm -hmm. you know. I like it. This next little story, Paris, um, tickles me. I know it shouldn't because it's not funny in theory, but I find humour in everything. And this is, you're going on holiday. You're going yeah. on holiday with your girlfriend, not your best mate. You tell your best mate it takes a shed load of ketamine and then threatens you off with a knife. I'm sorry if I know it's, it's not funny, but yeah. this is, life is full of these dramas. And, and what I find funny is the fact that when you're that age, you, you become this... You're insecure. I don't mean you, but maybe your friend. You're insecure and you experience things like jealousy and that's my best friend and, you know, your, your yeah. ego's involved. All, all these emotions that you haven't figured out yet and all these feelings you have. And you end up with bizarre behaviour like this, which seems ludicrous now, but at that age, this kind of silly shit happens a lot, yeah, doesn't it? Of course it you does. know, I, I could tell you stories about things I experienced and stupid shit that you think you couldn't write it mm. happened drama happened in my life all the time yeah yeah yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. not so much now so <laughs> tell us this story because it's good so yeah so originally we me and him were meant to be going traveling together and we spoke about it and we said we you know pick where we were going to go etc then my girlfriend at the time walks into my life and we get together. It gets a bit serious. Bros before hoes, mate. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they, I, I don't mean to offend anybody, but that's what they used to say, isn't it? You know, that was the, the slang. I don't think either of them will ever see this, hopefully. 
But um, so that's just completely broke me up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. I'm just laughing in my head. Sorry, Paris. It's sorry. fine. It's fine. So, so, so you and your best mate, you're going on a holiday, but then your girlfriend said, "Oh, your girlfriend." So I'm with her, and I'm like, "Right, this is a bit awkward." So I've mentioned it to her, and she's like, "Well, I'll go with you." So I'm thinking, perfect. Right, I'm. This is serious. I love her. Yeah. If I go traveling with my best friend, she's not going to be here in six months. She's not going to wait. I'm not stupid. Yeah. I can't. I can't ask that of her. If I go with her, my best friend will still be there for me, though. In or, theory, or, or he might try and kill you. <laughs> yeah. So, so I said it to her and explained to her. I was like, "Listen, mate. I know we really wanted to go traveling together. I hope you understand, but I really love her. And as, as I just said to you, I said to him, you know, you'll always be here for me because you're my best friend. Well, she's not going to wait for me. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. No problem. Whatever." Oh, so he said it's okay yeah, initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He didn't say anything about it. Nothing at all. So then we go, we go away to uh, Croatia to a festival hideout, and on the first night we're drinking because the festival hasn't started yet. And he brings it up. So we're sat in this harbour having a proper heart to heart for like two hours. And he's like, you're my brother, man. I can't believe you've done this to me. I'm like, mate, you know, I love you. Literally like arms around each other, proper dramatic. Just spilling our guts out. And then as far as I was aware, we got to like an understanding again where, all right, I get that you've got something that you hadn't expressed before. It's come out, but now you've explained it. I understand where you're coming from. I've reinforced my reasons for my decision and... It was left at that. We were happy as Larry the next day. Nothing happened. So then the festival started. It's the first day of the festival. The festival's three days. Three-day festival. It's the first day. We've been there for four. And he comes up to me mid-festival. It's like 2 a.m. in the morning. And he brings it up again. He starts like shouting in my face. Starts arguing with me about it. You're, you're a snake. You're not my brother. Yeah. Getting really emotional. I'm just like, what's going on here? So he storms off. Comes back like 10 minutes later. And he just just shows me an empty empty baggie, mm. and he had ket in it, and it was full because I knew he hadn't had any ket yet. And he told me that he took a full gram. Did he eat it or sniff it? Oh, right. Don't know. Yeah. Don't know what he did with it. Just all of his face. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, man. So it was really it was crazy. It was crazy. So I told the girls because my girlfriend was with four or five of her mates. I told them, and we were kind of just watching him, but he was acting surprisingly normal for someone that's done that amount of care in such a short period of time and he was just sat down on the wall and then slowly and surely of course uh, he started acting a bit strange so he started twitching and talking to himself yeah. but we were all watching him we're trying to just have a good time enjoy it whatever and then he starts like pushing the girl that's next to him go get away from me get away from me get away from me so luckily the festival had closed by this point so it just started winding down the sun had come up it was Honestly, Croatia is one of the most beautiful countries I've ever been to in my life. I haven't been, but I, I know it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a, a few films and documentaries about it and beautiful place. Yeah. Honestly, the, the festival is right on the beach, Searchy Beach, and it's just incredible. So we're walking back now because say the, the club's at one end of the beach. You have to go to the other end to get a coach back to the town. So as we're walking, he just starts running away from us. So I'm obviously chasing after him as I get closer. He's like, get away from me, get away from me. Like just getting so paranoid. He's like, they're after me, they're after me. I'm like, mate, what are you talking about? At this point, I've not even realized what's actually really going on. Get him on the bus and he's like, they're after me, they're after me. Like proper, just paranoid. Mm. So the, the girls are like, what's happening? And I was like, well, it's obviously the cat. I just need to get him home and get him to bed. So I take him back to ours. The girls go back to theirs. They hired like um, a ground floor apartment. Mm. Getting back to getting back to the room, and 
he pushes the wardrobe in front of the door and he's like, they're in the, they're in the corridor, they're coming, you can't hear him, can't. And I'm just like in bed, like trying to sleep, like off my head. Mate, please just get into bed and try to sleep. And he's like, mate, checking out the uh, on the balcony, under the bed, literally everywhere, shouting at me going, you're an imposter, you're not Paris, you're not him, you're an agent, you're an agent. And I'm just oh like, my what? My phone's not even in my pocket. And he's like, you're on your phone calling him now, I know who you are. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So I get my phone out. It's a blank screen. And he's like, see, there's all the messages. I'm like, mate, the phone's not even on. What are you talking? He's like, yeah, there, there. And I'm just like, yeah. what's happening? So I'm sat there he's thinking. He's messed up. Yeah, big time. Yeah. So I'm thinking, right, what can I do? And I'm just like, mate, just go have a cold shower. Go go get in the shower and have a cold shower. It'll sort you out. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. It'll get the wires off of me. So I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah, but I'm thinking, yeah, perfect. Do that. Go mm. get the wires off you. Just play in his game. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So he strips off bollock naked in front of me and he's standing there. He's a big lad. Uh, and I'm just like... Big built or big hung? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> big built. At the time, you could hardly see it. Taking a lot of drugs. <laughs> um, so he's, he's jumped in the shower now and I'm just... He's in there for a good five minutes or so. I'm just like, right, peace and quiet. He's going to be fine. Comes out. And he's like, the wires are gone now. I'm like, perfect. He's like, oh. and then he starts twitching again. Go, no, they haven't. No, they haven't. So I'm just like, oh God, it's not worked. He goes into the fridge, still naked, by the way. Mm -hmm. He has a two, two liter or two pint uh, carton of chocolate milkshake. He opens it and he pours it all over himself and starts <laughs> rubbing it in. So at this point- To I'm, get the wires off. <laughs> yeah, to get the wires off of his body. So at this point, I'm laughing my head off. Yeah. Absolutely laughing my head off. I can't believe what I'm witnessing. But it doesn't solve the problem. He still thinks I'm a secret agent. He still thinks there's people trying to get in. Mm -hmm. He's still losing his mind. So eventually I get on the phone to my girlfriend whilst he's shouting at me, going, stop talking to the police. And I say to her, like, what should I do? Like, can I bring him round to you guys? Because I, I don't know what to do. That's a good idea, isn't it? I can't handle him. He's seriously out of control. I'll just bring him round yours. <laughs> but she was the sensible one. Yeah, you see? of course. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, so I've taken him, I've got him dressed and we're walking. As we're walking, he's still super paranoid. We come out of our hotel and it was like down a dirt track. So as we're walking, there's a, another couple at the end of the road. And he's gone up to him and goes, the secret agent's after me. And they're looking at me like, what's going on here? And I'm like, don't worry, like, it's fine. The guy's got a massive bottle of water. And he's like, here, mate, have some of this. He goes, yeah, yeah, good idea. Looks at him, looks at the water, pours it all on the floor. Goes, yeah. you're trying to poison me and throws it in his face. And they're just like, what the fuck? And then runs off. So I've had to chase after him. He's jumped over this fence and starts running across a farm chasing after him again, eventually catch him. Obviously, bear in mind, he's running away from me as well because he thinks I'm a secret agent. Yeah. Getting back to the main road and we're on way to, to my girlfriends and the girls. So then he starts trying to jump in the road to kill himself because he's like, they're going to get me. I'm, I might as well just kill myself. So as uh, cars are coming past, he's going like this, like yeah. jolting. It's not a good night, this, is it? No. Not going so, well. So... Like anxiety levels up to here, yeah. like full full level. I'm thinking my mate's going to kill himself and there's nothing I can do. He's bigger than me. Mm. I, I just have to try and get in the way and hope that I can get there in time. And he doesn't do it. Obviously, he didn't end up, uh, he didn't end up jumping in the road. But fortunately. He, he ended up 
pulling a knife on you and your girlfriend yeah. and her friends. And yeah, stuff. so I don't know which one works out better. <laughs> but so we get we get to the girl's apartment and my girlfriend opens the door and she's just like, are you right? And he ignores her and he pushes her out of the way. Well, he, doesn't, he pushes past her, Yeah, goes straight into the kitchen, opens the drawer and picks up uh, two cutting knives. Mm. The girl, all the other girls are sleeping. So he's gone into their rooms. Get up now, get up, get up, goes into the other room, get up I now. bet they were all terrified, yeah, weren't they? Yeah, they yeah. literally woke up with a knife in their face. Yeah, like this. Uh, I'm just standing there completely powerless. Mm. So whilst this is happening, I'm stood in the hallway just thinking, and this like, this is a crazy thought to have, but I was just like, I'm going to have to maybe kill my friend. Yeah. And I was literally going through the processes of, all right, what do I need to do? I need to go into the kitchen and get a knife as well and stop him. How did you bring it to a close then? Did he eventually calm down or did, was this, did this go on for a while? So the girls got up. Me, I told him to come outside with me because I was just like playing along with his fantasy. And I was like, You're the one, I'm the one that you want, so let's go outside. So eventually, whilst I'm saying this, he's actually got the knife to my girlfriend's throat at this point. Mm. So then he gets me outside and I'm talking to him. He's like, prove to me you're Paris, prove to me you're Paris. I'm like, ask me anything. Because like, he, he was my brother, man. Mm. I knew everything about him and he did the same. So he started asking me loads of questions. When's my birthday? What's my mum's name? Obviously I answered all of them. And he's like, you're not Paris, you're an imposter. So he's got me now on my knees, knife to my throat, going, basically making me beg for my life. I'm like, please, mate, don't do this. And as he goes to stab me, he goes and starts to like, starts feigning and stabbing himself. It was really weird. It was really weird. So yeah. then he spent like a good five minutes like looking at this knife going, Whilst I'm just kind of like, mate, stop it, please, no. <laughs> uh, and then he just ran off again. And he just ran off again. So this, by this point, we're talking, it must have been like seven, eight in the morning. Yeah. I it, bet you're all highly strung, stressed out. It's horrible, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. Starving, dehydrated. I've been dancing. We had a day party and then a night party. So I've been up for more than 24 hours. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you can imagine. <laughs> so he's ran off and he's ended up at the harbour and he's just... Sat at the harbour, he won't speak to us, he won't respond, but at least he's not doing anything crazy. Yeah. So he puts down the knives. As soon as he puts them down, I ran over and just grabbed him and threw him in the sea. And then I just sat there with him. Well, he was in the distance. I sat a way away where I could still see him, just watching him. And the whole time he was like talking to himself and twitching and rolling around the floor and just being strange. Yeah, well, that's kept for you. Um, yeah. I... I Told you earlier when we were chatting that we'd be at a party, we'd line up ketamine and we'd sniff it and the back door was 20 feet away and the deal was you had to sniff this line of ket and get out the back door. Nobody could make it. We'd, we had several go. You'd, you'd sniff this ket and then you'd you'd get about 10, 12 feet. You'd just be walking. Think, well, it's easy. Uh, and then you'd just collapse in a puddle on the floor and we'd end up and you'd be like, oh, trying to clamber your way to the back door and nobody ever made it. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah messy times. Yeah. <laughs> you also, Paris, mentioned about another holiday that didn't go so great and you were, your father punched you and then you punched him back, which took a lot of courage when you're, you know, a younger man, a yeah. child. And then I think your mum got caught in the crossfire and she got a punch and you had to sort of get everybody together and fly home. It's, it's, yeah. you've, you've had a few, I think you should just stay in this country and then you'd be okay really and stay, stay away from all that. 
I get itchy feet, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> then in your last year of uni, this is when, so you, you put money in crypto, you took it out, and then you tried trading and you read a yeah. lot of books on it. So tell us a bit about that. So this is pre-crypto before mm -hmm. you went back into crypto, but tell us, so you decided you want to make some money trading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I had money in the crypto at this point. I didn't understood that it may be something in the future, but I had no knowledge of investment. Yeah. So the event that happened when I was on holiday with my family, with it being a family business, I'm thinking, right, I need to get a full time job and make some money because I need to look after my brother and my mum because this isn't going to be a family anymore. We're going to break up. So I was looking at jobs and I was like, this isn't going to be enough money to to do this yeah so I, was, I literally googled how to make money online and trading was one of the first things that come up so i looked into it it's something that i kind of briefly looked over before but never actually tried to do and i realized that yeah i can make shit loads of money from doing this so then i started reading up on it and studying it took all my money out of crypto which was worth at this point about 1200 pounds i think from my, my original investment yeah and put it into a trading account and I built built my strategy up. Literally, I spent all my time in my office doing this, and I was making three to five percent on my account every week profit. The problem was my account wasn't big enough to yeah. withdraw. So although I got good at it, I couldn't do anything with it. So it's an amazing return, but yeah. it's a return on not a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So what you really needed then was investors, isn't it? But obviously, if yeah. you're not an established financial institution that's very difficult yeah. unless you borrow money off your family and things like this isn't it so exactly they didn't have any money unfortunately uh, and also the dynamics of trading with a one thousand pound account is very different to ten thousand or a hundred thousand or a million yeah different psychology yeah yeah and you also then came across the secret i originally saw the movie because it's one of the few books that was a, a film before it was a book rather than mm -hmm. the other way around and it's Rhonda Bryan and I it changed my life and I showed you pre-show I've got my entire back is covered with quotes from The Secret mm -hmm. and it was I think in 2007 2006 I think when I first read it and it was set me back I was spiritual up until about the age of 18 or 19 and then I got lost in the matrix basically consumed by anger and my ego and material things. Yeah. And then it wasn't until I was probably, you know, in my thirties, then I started to open my mind again and open my heart again. And the secret was the start of that. The secret was the start of that for me. And yeah, yeah, yeah. some people say, oh yeah, you know, that's old heart and they poo poo it a bit and talk about other books and stuff. But I've been back and reread it and rewatched the movie. And yeah. each time I still pick something up because you forget, it might be simple, but there's things you forget. And it's very powerful for manifesting, and I, I love it. So it obviously had an impact on you too. Yeah, well, I didn't understand. I hadn't even heard of the concept of law of attraction, really. My mum tried to explain it to me when she was going through her awakening, but didn't really consciously listen. So she actually gifted me that book for my 18th birthday, perhaps, but I didn't read it. It was just sat there for ages. because I, I, I never read books. The only books I ever read were books I had to read at school. I picked up Harry Potter once and got to like chapter three. And I was the same. I still don't read fiction, although that I, I have read 
the Alchemist and a couple of Paolo Coelho yeah, books. Yeah, but yeah, beyond yeah. that, it's psychology and self-help and motivation, yeah. things like that. And so I didn't read for years. But once I got into the books that I was interested in, I was rattling through them. I was reading a couple of books a week. You yeah. know, I loved it. And you also read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Is that right? Yeah, that was the first uh, finance book I read. Yeah. That changed my perspective of things. Because, of course, one of the lessons is you need to know what an asset and what a liability is. So... I owned a car at the time, which was a liability, but I saw it as an asset, which wasn't yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. If you're pumping money into something, it depreciates. Yeah. It's a liability. Yeah, and so a caravan is a fabulous thing, especially if you use it. And it's it's a good thing to have if you, you know, you value your quality of life and yeah. spending time with your family, things like this. But is it an investment? Not really. I suppose you could say it's an investment in your well being. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, it depreciates, whereas a house is considered to be an investment, you know. After this then, Paris, you you actually went on your travels again and yeah. you said there was a lot of drama and you went to Australia. I did. Whereabouts did you go? So I ended up in Sydney, Sydney, Australia. I got married, didn't last very long, but I got married in the Sydney Opera House, the Botanical Gardens there. You know, and Sydney is a just a fantastic place, beautiful city. You know, and I, I actually went into the opera house. We watched an opera live there, and I have some nice memories. But yeah, obviously things didn't work out. Didn't last very long. I came home, and I'm sort of don't really dwell too much on that part of my life anymore. <laughs> I, I just uh, dust myself off and move on. I think that's all you can do. You know? No, it's just a fun story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Australia, yeah. So did you? How long were you there for? So I lived in Australia for two and a half years. I did Asia for about 10, 11 months and I was in Australia for two and a half years. And it was the first time I'd ever had a full-time job. The first yeah. time I was earning, not my own, well, my own money before that. Well, I was earning obviously my own money before, but it was an office job, which I, I swore forever that I'd never do. Yeah, it it it's crazy, isn't it, that human beings, and they say I know, but I have to, but it's a choice. Voluntarily, we go and sit in a box with no fresh air, quite yeah. often with no natural light, in front of a screen for eight or ten hours a day. It ain't good for you, is it? And it, nah. I know if I do that kind of work, especially if it's not for myself, for somebody else, I become depressed. Yeah. You know, Big and... Time. So you were partying a bit then as well because the job was sucking the life out of you. Yeah. Yeah. I was in sales. So we're selling life insurance. So it was high, high pressure, high sales. I wouldn't say it was the, the worst of tactics, but it wasn't as borderline ethical. Yeah. And for a long time, I didn't really see that because I was blinded by how much money I was earning. I'd never earned that much money before. Yeah, the commission was really good. The incentives were really good. I had a great time in the office with the people I worked with. Then, as the market started changing and the commission started going away, I started realizing that this job isn't what I'm really pretending it is. Yeah, it's it's as well. Sydney's a very fast-paced, twenty-four-hour city. There's a yeah. lot going on, and I know because I've been there that a lot of people there they're all getting plastic surgery. They're very materialistic. Yeah. Not everybody, obviously, there's some beautiful people, but there are certain crowds, especially Definitely. if you're going to the city, were, and, and like I say, cocaine, materialistic, and all, all on coke, yeah. you know, certainly now, you know, in the last 10 years or so. And 
you said that your your housemate at the time took his own life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. How old was he, Paris? He was twenty two at the time. Ah, that's tragic. Yeah. Tragic that. Yeah. That lifestyle, unfortunately, there's a you can only do it for so long, I think. You can do it for a while, but then you need to retract from it, step back and you can't sustain it. And anybody that tries to sustain that lifestyle for any period of time, um, it usually has an effect on the mental health, I think. Definitely. Know. It's not that the positions that you're in and the jobs you do and the things you say and the way you act isn't normal. You're, no. you're forced to be someone else and you're manipulating yeah. people. I'm the worst salesman in the world because <laughs> I cannot be passionate about something that, that I don't believe in. Yeah. I can't. You know, I can't lie. I'm the world's worst liar. I stopped trying a long time ago. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah. say it like it is. It upset a few people, but I can't lie. And yeah, I, I definitely can't sell. You know, I'm just just shit at it. If I'm passionate about something, <laughs> then I won't have to try. I'll, that's you'll, it. You'll feel it. You'll know. You shouldn't. You, if you can sell something, you don't need to be taught how to sell it. Exactly. Yeah. If you do, then there's something wrong with the product you're selling. Yes, yes, yes. I can tell as well, you go into a, I don't know, a car showroom or wherever and somebody's trying to sell you something and they've got this patter and they, they know you'll take a car payment. Well, it's this much a month. I mean, it's the price of a newspaper a day and they have all these <laughs> sayings they use. And I think, Cup of coffee. Who, who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> Get rid of your bullshit and just tell me how much it is, you know, mm. and they, they have this pattern. When somebody's trying to slick me, you know, I'll be really smooth and try and sell me something. If I feel any pressure whatsoever, I walk away. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I will not be pressured. As soon as I feel I'm being pressured into buying something, I'm off. That's you know? Yeah. That's the best way to do it. And then probably the last part of your journey that we're going to talk about before we just talk about crypto for a while is, again, we won't go into too much detail, but you talked about one of your ex-partners, a girlfriend who was a drama queen and basically to get your attention would frequently threaten to kill herself and <laughs> this kind of behaviour. And <coughs> Excuse me. I, again, I've been a party to that. I've, I've yeah. seen that as well. And further to be drama, for whoever's involved in drama, drama by definition is um, something that's partaken by and completed by actors, mm -hmm. you know. So when people are trying to be something they're not, they create drama. They're yeah, acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're yourself, your true nature, your inner voice, this bit inside here, what, what you are, your essence, your soul, and somebody else's, there is no drama. None, because That's nobody's it. acting, there's no drama created. And some people seem to have drama that follows them throughout their life. Yeah. And you think, oh, aren't they unlucky? No, generally, if somebody's got drama following through in their life, they create it they're, because they're not being true to the self, you know. Spot on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I've encountered people like this where every time you see them, there's some major trauma mm -hmm. and they need a lot of attention as well yeah. quite often, which is what it sounds like this partner was, you know. Yeah, definitely. It was interesting because at the point in my life, I'd just broken up with the other one, long-term relationship. Then my best friend who I lived with at the time, maybe three three months, four months later, took his own life. So I was in the very vulnerable state where I hadn't quite got over the relationship breakup yet. And then yeah. this happened whilst working the job I, I worked where I was partying, drinking, doing drugs, smoking just numbing everything that was going on around me. She kind of stepped in and she, bless her, brought me out of 
the dark place I was in. And that's that's one of the main reasons why we ended up being together because I didn't want to go outside, I didn't want to do anything. I literally went to work, I'd have a couple of drinks after work, but on the weekends I was in bed. I didn't yeah. go and see Sydney, I didn't do any activities, I was, I was miserable. Uh, full of full of anxiety as well, just to the point where I, was, I thought I was going to live like this forever and I'd wake up with it, I'd go to bed with it. It yeah. was just, it was normal for me, that was my normal. But she really encouraged me to to get out of that and help me to see the light. So I know that's why she came into my life for that reason. But at the same time, she helped me. I, me being me and being a helper throughout my life, then felt obliged to help her. And that was kind of where the trap was because she had the door to come in. Yeah. And then me being the empath, tried to help her, but she didn't actually want to be helped. She just wanted my energy. Yeah. Energy vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are certain people you can be in the company and some of them aren't malicious, they don't do it on purpose, but they suck the life out of you, don't they? And yeah. after you leave, you're like, oh, Literally. I feel exhausted and you've been with them an hour, you yeah. know. And Gasping for air. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Paris, let's do it. It's 2017, yep. you're back. You realise that the £3,000 you would have put in crypto would now have been worth £300,000 mm -hmm. and you get busy and you start learning about crypto. You also realise that although... Looking back on that, you'd be a rich man. If you hadn't have done that, you wouldn't have found your spiritual path. So it needed to happen. It was just mm -hmm. part of your journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So since 2017, you've then switched from trading and finance and you've been avidly reading and researching mm -hmm. about crypto. Exactly. So you're the guy and I'm going to ask you some questions about crypto. So Paris, we'll start at the beginning and... We know what crypto is. It's a digital currency. Mm -hmm. We know Bitcoin is a type of crypto. So I'll ask you a few questions, three or four at a time, and you can answer them if that's all right. Yeah. So let's say I've got 10 grand in the bank and I want to invest it in crypto because yeah. in theory, although it doesn't just go up, it can go up and it can go down. So it's it's like a stock or a share in yeah. some respects. Yeah. Crypto's moved outside banks and doesn't it's not within the normal banking system so in theory if the banks collapse you still got your crypto mm -hmm. you know and that's why for lots of reasons a lot of criminal fraternities have been interested in them mm -hmm. and also it can't be tracked as easy you know if you use an encrypted software and ways of transferring it yep. so that banks can't monitor it as easy if i've got 10 grand and i want to buy crypto yeah where do i go is it a good time to buy? What are the benefits? What are the pitfalls? We'll start with that. So if you've got 10 grand, where you'd go is you need to go to an exchange. Is this a, a physical place or is it online? So this is online. So okay. the websites, essentially what an exchange is, is similar to if you wanted to buy a stock, you'd go and find the relevant website, sign up, deposit your money, and then you can buy what it is you're after. So yeah. the sites that I personally use Coinbase, Kraken, and Binance are some of the bigger biggest exchanges. Kraken this year uh, was given banking status in the US. Really? So actually, they're not an exchange anymore. Well, they are an exchange, but they're also a bank. And that's is that good or bad? It's good for the industry because it means it's going mainstream. Right, but does it not mean then that if there was a great reset and all the banks crashed, that that would go down too? So this is where you protect yourself and what you want to do is you use that to get into crypto and buy what you need, but you can buy, they're called hard wallets. I use Nano Ledger. So essentially what it is, is a USB. You plug it into your computer, 
whatever you have, you can send onto your ledger, your USB, yeah, and put it in your pocket. Right, your so it's almost somewhere. like a <laughs> up your bum, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. smuggle places. it into a prison where yeah. no one's gonna look. Do you know what I mean? And so, say you have, let's say you have a thousand Bitcoin, for yeah. example, Ooh. you can put them on a dongle. Exactly. So it's a physical, it's a digital physical currency. Yeah. Right. Okay. This yeah. is this is interesting. So I know where I can get it, mm-hmm. and I've got ten grand. How many bitcoins would I get? We'll use Bitcoin as an example, yeah, just yeah, because yeah. we're going to have to pick something. But it's it's one type of cryptocurrency. Yeah. If I buy a bitcoin and I've got say ten grand, how many am I going to get? So at today's price, Bitcoin's about just under $20,000. So that would be, I don't know what the conversion rate is, but I'm guessing maybe around 13,000, 14,000 pounds. Okay, so I wouldn't even get one so Bitcoin. you get half a Bitcoin with that. So if somebody's selling something and it's less than a Bitcoin, do they sell it in fractions of Bitcoin? Yeah, so, so this is a thousand, this is four thousandths of a Bitcoin or something yeah, like that. exactly. So it's divisible. They're called Satoshis. Mm. But just to make it easier, it's 0.01 of a Bitcoin, say. Yeah. Well, this is a really good point. It's the only currency I know... Mm-hmm. The only currency I know were 10 years ago, you get less of them for your investment yeah. than you did 10 years ago. If, if you had a pound 10 years time, it's, it's worth half of that. 10 mm. years time, it's worth half of that again. It, it, you know, the, the rate of inflation means that you get less of that currency for mm-hmm. your investment if you're exchanging it. This yeah. has gone up. This is why it's different. This is yeah. why it's unique. This is why it might be a good investment. And outside the banking system, instead of buying dollars or buying Deutsche Marks or, yeah, or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 So Bitcoin is actually, uh, it's deflationary. So the supply is limited at 21 million. It can be changed in the future, but that's a lot to talk about potentially. So tw- there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin, let's say, for now. And that's why it's going that right. Brilliant. Okay. So, so they can't just, they're not, you know, with yeah. money, they print more and print more and print more, yeah. don't they? Yeah. So Bitcoins are introduced to the market through mining, which is essentially what started off 10 years ago. Just a computer could do it. Yeah. Is now warehouses full of computers or CPU units that are running programs, solving math problems, algorithms. So they're cracking right. the codes and whichever system cracks the code gets rewarded Bitcoin. So they have to complete the block. They get rewarded Bitcoin. Right. So when Bitcoin first was introduced to the market, if you completed the block, you'd get 50 Bitcoin. And then fast forward to now, it happens every four years, the cycle. The reward rate cuts in half. So it was 50, 25, 12.5. And the last half thing is called halving, Bitcoin halving. Who owns Bitcoin? You know, like a bank, the Bank of England might produce yeah. pound sterling. I, I, I'm not getting it. Who owns, where's, where is it? Who owns Bitcoin? Up for debate, up for debate where, or who owns Bitcoin because... Because somebody somewhere has invented it and it started, right. hasn't it? But this is the interesting thing. No one knows who that is. Ah, this is like exciting, isn't it? So, yeah. So the white paper for Bitcoin came out in 2008, I believe, just after the financial crisis, which is essentially a whatever page document explaining what Bitcoin is, how it's used, um, what it is, basically. So that came out and it, it was produced by the name Satoshi Nakamoto. So you can assume that this one person 
Satoshi created Bitcoin, or it could be a group of people, but this person has never stepped forward to say that I created Bitcoin. So it's speculation that could, you know, people say well, it's the CIA, it's the yeah. government, it's Satoshi. Can they not trade, you know, like if you you have a company or a person in this country, yeah. say like, you know, a limited company, then it's got a trading address and mm -hmm. you know where they are. And it, it, it's, no, no. So they can't, well, they haven't been able to trace right, it back to the, right. create, the original creator, which is strange because if I buy drugs with Bitcoin, they can find me. They yeah. close down websites that do it, but you can't find the original creator. Yeah. Bear in mind the original wallet, which is um, owned by Satoshi, holds a million Bitcoin in it, and it's never moved since the inception. So they must surely they can trace. Well, oh no, they can't because it's physical, isn't it? You can take it. Yeah. This is this is the bit that God, this is fascinating because yeah. although it's a digital currency. You, there's no pound notes, but you can have it on a dongle. That's yeah. and a million Bitcoin can fit in a little dongle or something, couldn't it? Because it's just uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just a code. Yeah, essentially. Fascinating. So the bit I didn't understand is when you said that they have warehouses full of computers. Cracked. That's yeah. blown my head off. That right. Try right. again with that one. Right, yeah. right, right, right. So to get receive a block reward. So what's a block reward? <laughs> so on the blockchain. So how the blockchain works? You have a block, right? And the computers are solving a problem. So every, I can't remember how many minutes it is. Why? I, I, don't, I can't grasp the, con the start of it. So what problem are they trying to ca cause? So, and what's, so a, the block, what's a block? So with the blockchain, basically, it stops the network from being able to be replicated. So, for example, let's say... We've got a list of names. Your name's on there, my name's on there, and then Bob's the next name in the third block. Okay. So I'm block two. Block block two has been made. Once block three has been made, the the previous blocks cannot be made. Does okay. That make sense? Yeah, so I understand. You yeah. One block. Yeah, yeah. Each time you two. make a new block, the previous blocks yeah. are fixed. And that's crypt cryptography. Okay. So that stops obviously data and information from being altered once it's created. Got you. So. So what this is it? What what you're actually doing now is we, this is. I, I thought I'd understand the Bitcoin, but I don't even know the basics here. This yeah, is blockchain, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so so I get that. Yeah. So that's blockchain technology, and that's yeah. what Bitcoin runs off of. It runs on a proof of work consensus, which means that you have to do something to be rewarded. And one of the downsides to Bitcoin is its energy consumption through using CPU units to solve math problems. So what you do is in China, where there's 60% of all of these warehouses, they're mining for Bitcoin, solving the math problems as fast as they can to receive the block reward. And when they, receive, when they crack the code, the miner gets at this current point, 6.25 Bitcoin. Right. And where does that come from? If there's only 21 million and people so have already bought it, where does this additional... So the 21 million hasn't been created yet. Well, 18.8 million or something around there has been, or okay. it is in circulation. So every time the block is completed and you get receive a reward, that's when you receive more supply. So this is they could have all these worries and then they're going to hit the 21 million and then yeah, there's no more, is there? Yeah, and the value will go up again. But all this money they've invested, said, so there's there's people going around with big warehouses full of computers trying to solving math problems to get Bitcoin. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So do you currently have Bitcoin? I don't. 
No. I don't own Bitcoin, no. Okay. But you have crypto? I do, yeah. Okay. Tell us about that then. What do you have at the minute? I don't mean value. I mean, um, you know, what type of cryptocurrency? So the reason I don't have Bitcoin is because in answer to your question earlier, you were saying about the, you know, if you had 10,000 to invest, what would the price of Bitcoin be? The return on investment of Bitcoin buying it at current price, it needs to double for you to double its money. So it needs to go from 20,000 to 40,000 of Bitcoin, right? Yep. I believe it will go there. It's probably going to go to 100, 300, 500,000. But your return on investment isn't going to be as great if you find, they're called altcoins, so alternative coins, which is basically a name for any other cryptocurrency that isn't Bitcoin. So the things you talked about, are they unique to Bitcoin or is it the same across other different cryptocurrencies? It depends what crypto you're looking at. So this is where it may get a bit complicated. So they don't all work the same? They're derived from similar. So they use blockchain technology, for example, but they mentioned earlier blockchain uses a proof of work network where you have to do something to get a reward. There are networks that don't do that. They use different consensuses where you don't have to use a lot of electricity, for example, like Bitcoin to run the system. Right. So through my research, what I did is we were looking at altcoins, alternative coins, and trying to find projects where with Bitcoin essentially is seen as a store of value. So it's, they, they refer to Bitcoin as digital gold because it stores value and it's actually better than gold because you can send it. Whereas if you had a gold bar on your bed, I don't know how many you've got. Yes. <laughs> if you wanted to buy a car with it, you've got to transport it, which yep. isn't as easy. You know, they're heavy. So I've been told. So it's compared to digital gold. But what has happened since the inception of Bitcoin is you now have cryptocurrencies that have utility so real uh, world use cases so similar to the dot-com bubble or era where all these websites were coming out trying to solve problems you had the, you know, the introduction of online marketing uh, booking holidays yeah. online whatever you now have tech companies going into a similar industry to what internet companies did to solve problems that haven't been solved yet using blockchain technology. So one of my main investments is a cryptocurrency called XRP. It's created by a company called Ripple, They're based in San Francisco. Yeah. And they are solving the problem for global the global transfer of payments. So bank to bank institutions and payment providers. I can't remember what book it was, but it was something on Warren Buffett. And it's the art of investing. And you know, generally people say you need to diversify to reduce your risk. Yep. There's nothing wrong with diversifying. That is a, a very good tool to use when you're investing in anything. You should diversify because it spreads out your risk. If something fails, at least you've got other things to fall back on. But the more you diversify, it actually just exaggerates your, your ignorance to what it is you're investing in. Because if you fully understood, then you wouldn't really need to diversify as much. Does that make sense? So, yeah. You know, yep. If, you, if you're looking at 30 or 40 companies to put your money in, how, if I asked you about them, you wouldn't be able to tell me a thing. Yeah. But if you have five. Yeah, you, you'd know a bit more. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then you're reducing your risk because you understand what you're putting your money into. If you went to a casino and you've got a 90% chance of winning, 
compared to the casino down the road, which is 10%. Obviously, we'd love it to be 90%. It's not how it is. Yeah. Uh, but if you went into that casino, you it's not as much of a risk because you know what's going on and you have the knowledge, yeah. whereas the 10% casino would be. With XRP then, for example, mm-hmm. so if you're investing in XRP, do you go through an exchange and what's, you know, like a Bitcoin might be 13 grand. Mm-hmm. How does it work with XRP? So exactly the same, and it works the same for all cryptocurrencies. So you'll need to sign up to an exchange. Not all exchanges have all cryptocurrencies. So for XRP, if you wanted to find it, it's best to find out which exchanges do have it. But the yeah. ones I mentioned do. The main ones mm. do have most cryptos. And how many cryptocurrencies are there? Oh, good question. Are we talking a thousand or hundreds of thousands? I think there's around maybe four thousand, four to six maybe. And so, but somebody can come along and invent a new one or start yeah. a new one. Right. And this is the, this is where the market's at at the moment is you have a lot of cryptocurrencies that are projects, but they don't really do anything. They just, they look good on paper. It's all bells and whistles. Yeah. So if you and, you and I wanted to create a cryptocurrency, all we'd have to do is figure out first how to do it, which isn't that hard apparently. And then just say, oh, yeah, this is what we want to do. This is how we want to do it and put it on the market and find an exchange that will list it. So there might be 4,000 cryptocurrencies, but ones that are, are actually what I'd call, what you might say, you know, active, live and worth investing in is yeah. less. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the last bull run, so bull runs when the market is going up, was in 2017 to 2018, the end of 2017 to about January during this period, the market went up. Bitcoin hit 20,000 from 3,000, I think, in 27 days or something. Right. XRP went from 25 cents to $3.30 in 22 days. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. But it can go down just as quick, I suppose. It can do. So, so what happened after that is the market has been going down ever since. So from 2017 to now... We've been in a three-year bear market. So your ball is up, bear is down. So during this time, I've just been buying the whole way down. So people ask me, why have I been buying the whole way down? Or at least that's what you'd look at and think, why has he been yeah. buying on the way down? And it's called dollar cost averaging. So you buy at certain price points. So eventually when it starts going up, you average out. Rather than say it was $3 and buy a whack then, you buy it. Three dollars, two ninety, two eighty, two dollars. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, are you expecting that you're buying it on the way down before it shoots back up? That's yeah. the idea. So you're catching right. it. So, based on what it is I'm investing, in, I know that it's going to go eventually. So I, I don't want to be in a position where I'm not in the market and I miss that. Yes, that's what I experienced in mm. 2017. This is, I mean, classic. Trading. They'll crash an economy. There'll be a depression. Everything's on the way down. It's bottomed out. Yeah. Everything's cheap as chips. And then banks will go in. They'll buy up all these shares. There's a lot of people that have made a lot of money when, for example, in America, when you mm. know they, they had a, a big crash or we've had you know the same thing here. And people seem to always know when to buy at the right time. It's as if they knew the crash was coming. Yeah. They buy up all the shares in certain companies while they're at the lowest and then whoop, and then they shoot back up again. 
you know, I'm assuming it's that kind of thing, but obviously you don't know where that peak is or that yeah. trough is. So, you know, it's on the way down, you're expecting it to go mm -hmm. up. And so that's your opportunity to yeah. get it. That, yeah. So you're exactly right. So the crypto market is just as manipulated as the FX market and stock market and any other market that there is. The banks are in control of everything and it's just a rinse and repeat for them, making mm -hmm. monies at the bottoms, at the lows and also at the highs. The, the banks aren't, I mean, the whole point of crypto is that you're hopefully not governed by the banks, mm -hmm. isn't it? So yeah. is, is, is it just Bitcoin that's outside the banks or is it all crypto? So as far as I'm aware with cryptos, to get into it, banks are developing their own cryptocurrencies, central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. Mm. So essentially Bank of England is developing the Great British Pound, which is going to be a digital yeah. currency. I suppose they're making it, we're getting very close to being a cashless system now yeah, anyway. So in effect, the British Pound will be a digital currency, won't it? It already is pretty much anyway. Yeah, yeah. How, how often do you see cash? Yeah. It's well, just a number on your... It's a concern, isn't it, you know? Um, being a cashless society yeah. but but yeah i can see that now that that's going that way isn't yeah. it and then but then that's totally controlled by the banks again which is the, a big part of crypto and bitcoin mm. is to get outside that loop isn't it so the selling point of course is decentralization you want you don't want a, a centralized body controlling the money supply so bitcoin for example one of its selling points is is decentralized well arguably it's decentralized china owns 60 percent of the nodes which are where the miners work so essentially if the government of china decided that they didn't want chinese factories or warehouses to mine anymore of course the ccp could outlaw that within the day and that would crash the would it though would they all the yeah if they're not still if they're not still mining the blockchain have i got this term I'm using the yeah, right yeah, terms yeah. surely what's in existence still stands yeah Correct. So the Bitcoin won't disappear or lose any... Correct. Yeah. But the, the, the blockchain itself can stop and China can seize control of that if they want. Oh. Right. So it's not as safe as it sounds then, you think? Or or is it? Does, does China control that market then? I mean, some some people will argue with this. It's, it's quite controversial what I'm saying to most. But if you look at it, China do control Bitcoin and... Are they the creators? Who knows? But if they wanted to, they could stop the blockchain and, and they could plummet the price. They could double spend on it. They can do loads of things if they wanted right. to. Well, that's that's just pulled the carpet right out from under it. On Bitcoin, anyway. On Bitcoin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you had a million pounds tomorrow, yeah, how would you invest? I know how I would probably invest it down normal routes, but I know exactly how I'd invest it. But let's say we're going into crypto. Yeah. Maybe tell us you've got a certain amount of money, what you'd be investing in. I know you've mentioned XRP mm -hmm. and strategically how you go about doing that. So you go through an exchange. Would you put it all in one cryptocurrency? Would you spread it? And would, mm. you know, is there others beside XRP? Maybe just give us, I've got some money. I'm going to invest. Where yeah, do I go? yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that would be the dream to have a million pounds mm. at this point to invest in the market. So what I would do is... We're pretty much at the bottom of the market still at this point where we've we've bottomed out and we're just starting to rise and go back into the next bull run cycle, which I expect is going to happen around mid next year. So at this point, most cryptos are going to go back to their all time highs. 
at least the ones that have utility and purpose. So there's three main ones. There's some other ones, but to cover them all, we'll just probably fry everyone's brain. Yeah, no, but we'll just pick an example. Yeah, Run us so, through so an example. XRP yeah. would be one mainly because it's going to be used. You know, I mentioned about the banks are using uh, or they're creating. They've already created this. So they're ready. They're ready to press go, but they're going to launch their own digital currencies. Yeah. If you're America and I'm England, I don't want to hold the digital dollar and you don't want to have the digital pound. So if I trade it with you, they're on different they're on different blockchains, right? So they don't they're not interoperable. So yep. you need a bridge asset or a bridge cryptocurrency to buy my pounds with for that and then send that to you so then you can change it into your currency. And that's where XRP is going to come in. It's going to be replacing the old financial system that we run on, which is the Swift and it's been around since the 80s. Yeah. And we're going to replace it with XRP as the the plumbing. Yeah, yeah. It settles in three to five seconds. It costs a fraction of a penny to send. I think the biggest transaction so far was $20 million and it costs like 20 cents. Whereas at the moment, if you're in Australia and you want to send 20K to America, it's quicker and faster for you to jump on the plane with it in your suitcase than it is to send it. Yeah, and if you do send it electronically, there's there's fees, isn't there? Yeah. You yeah, know. exactly. So yeah. so that would be one. You've got XLM, which is a similar project, but that's going to be more used for personal personal transactions. So that will be like the cryptocurrency that we use instead of using the digital dollars or digital pounds if we want to. Um, so it's, just, it's all about payments again. And uh, tinfoil hat moment, The Economist in 1988 produced a magazine yep. on the front cover. It's burning cash. You can look up once we're done, I'll show it to you. It's a picture of burning cash with a phoenix on top of it. And it says there will be a one world currency and the coin that's on the chest of the phoenix holds the logo, which is XLM, Stella. Right. So you <laughs> think that's, and, and how long ago was this? 1988. Bloody hell. So did they know or is it? Yeah, everything that is everything that we're witnessing now has been pre-designed, the, is, planned. Is the plan for yeah. ages because the financial yeah. system, if they wanted to switch it to something else, they couldn't just one day be like, right, we're going to just digitize everything and this is going to be how we use it with crypto. You have to take down the old one first. Yep. And that's what's been happening this year. Do you think that's coming, the great reset? Do you think that all the banks are going to crash. I asked this question. It's, you know, some people don't want to talk about it, but yeah. I know there's a lot of worried people. It's a tough one because I like to think, you know, in terms of what they're trying to achieve, the Great Reset, there's two ways that it can go. There's the utopian version of it or there's the dystopian version of it. Yeah, I think the decision of where that gets swayed is up to us, the people. So do I think the banks are going to crash? No, I think I think banks are always going to be around. I think they're always going to survive one way or another. But I think that we have the opportunity to exit from the banking system and become sovereign, become mm. sovereign banking. Yeah. And the way we do that is getting into cryptocurrency, storing it offline 
and being fully responsible for our wealth. Then there'll be dongle wars, yeah. <laughs> memory stick wars. Yeah, man, you won't be able to tell people no. what you own, how much you own or where you, nothing. Because no. people well, will be killing people for a Bitcoin, I'm telling you. Yeah, but it's, it's a nice idea though, where you, you, you have certain wealth and it's not traceable, nobody knows. And it's nobody's business, is oh. it? You know what I mean? You know also Paris, um, besides investing and being involved in cryptocurrency yeah. you're back doing a bit with the family business and selling clothes yeah what mm -hmm. what are you selling now what, what's now so they're still doing wholesaling it's still wholesaling we've still got our showroom obviously this year has been crazy so i've not actually really been doing much work at all since since we went into the, the first lockdown yeah so i'm on furlough which has been a blessing because i'm still getting paid but it's given me the time to explore myself. and Yeah, because I know, obviously, you're friends with Liam as well, and you've started off... Most of the stuff you've said, I understand, but yeah. there was something... So I know about breath work and ceremonies, but I don't know what deep shadow work is. <laughs> yeah. what, what's that? So, so shadow work is basically addressing your shadow self. So everyone has, of course, the person that you see and everyone sees and you see but you also have the dark side of yourself that you detach from. And the whole point of the shadow work is you have to accept the things that you don't like about yourself. Yeah. Obviously find out what they are and accept it because it's a part of you. And if you go through your life hating a part of you, then that's where the negative emotion is. You have to accept it and then you can work on it. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I know. The first part is recognizing there is a problem. Yeah. You know, you can't solve a problem until you know there is one, and acceptance is a big part of that. And yeah. then you go, okay, so where do I go from here? Yeah, beautiful. So you're on this spiritual path, and you've done some ceremonies and cacao ceremony with Liam, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but you're also you're a musician, play the guitar, Trying and to. yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, and a DJ. Yeah. yeah. When did you start DJing? How recent is that? So. I started DJing, what were we in December? So I started, I got, bought my decks and they came in October, end of September even. Right, so it's new, it's a yeah. new thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I nearly bought some, they're in my, you know when you buy something on online mm -hmm. and you can have things that you like but you've not bought yet in your saved list and I've got yeah. a set of decks in there and I've been twitching but I know I just haven't, I've got to manage my time at the minute and so if I bought them they'd probably be sat there for a while but yeah, gotcha. it's something I'd love to love to do you know if, you, if you'd like a little whack i'll give you a lesson then all right okay which ones are they tell me which decks they are so i bought some new marks uh because the ones i wanted which were pioneer dj 400s were sold out everywhere because during lockdown yeah wants yeah. to take up djing and so, then everybody's selling them off again cheap now yeah, aren't they? Yeah, because yeah, they've all yeah. bought and realized this isn't as easy as i thought it was and they're yeah. selling them yeah that's it yeah. so i ordered them and it took three weeks and they hadn't turned up yet. So I rang up and I was like, mate, like, where, where's my order? And he's like, oh, they're not going to be here to the end of October, Halloween probably. So I'm like, I'm not waiting four weeks for this. Uh, so he offered me the new marks and I got them. But last week I recently bought some XDJs, ah, yeah. which are kind of the layout similar to club standard layout, but an all-in-one yeah. system. And that's got the, the panel in the middle yeah, as well. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. So I got that last week. I enrolled myself on a DJ crash course. So I've been doing that over the last two, three months as well. And so when you mix, it's digital with these decks, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you'll put your MP3 files onto it mm -hmm. with the dongle or whatever, or rig it up to your laptop. Yep. Yeah. And then off you go. I've seen a couple of DJs recently because I've been watching some videos and mm. 
I know in theory, digitally, it's easier. Yeah. But easy or hard, you know, compared to using 45s and 12 inches and things, when mm. we, you know, all of that. But still, the creative element, what song you mix with another song and how you do it and the end product is down to, it's an art. It's what goes on yeah, in here, yeah. isn't it? And I've, I've heard some mixes recently. I'll, I'll play some after. I'll play one in particular after the show now. And, oh, yeah, I've, I've fallen back in love with music, you know. I mean, yeah. I, not that I didn't, but... I, I listen to this particular song and I can't stop moving. I'm, <laughs> I can't weird. stop moving around. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So that's exactly what I'm like. The last thing we'll talk about Paris is the men's group. Yeah. So the men's group that you're involved in, and that I know Liam's attends as well, is who who organises that? Because I know you take turns at running it, don't you? Is mm. that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I went to the first ceremony of Liam's through actually my breathwork instructor, Craig, who's a good friend of mine. Met Liam, did the ceremony, it was incredible. Was this a cacao? Cacao and breathwork yeah. ceremony, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Liam was doing a talk about chaos in our lives and how you know the chaos actually just leads us on to a, a better path and we need the chaos. So through my journey, that's kind of what stuck with me and it really resonated with me. So what I did for the two, three hours or whatever it was, is I went through my life similar to how the book told me to balance things. I revisited all the times where I perceived chaos. And then I was just met with light and I realized, wow, like I, I finished the journey in this place. Where I was like, well, I wouldn't be me, baby, if nothing yeah. happened. And I was just, I was glowing in gratitude and it was, wow, it really changed my life. So one of the guys behind me, Luke, we'd finished and he introduced himself to me and at this point, Speaking to strangers is wasn't really it's quite foreign to me. It's something that I don't know why, but I think my anxiety stopped me from doing. Yeah. So what I'd done is two weeks before I went to the ceremony, I wrote in my journal and said I need to connect with people that are on the same wavelength as me because I'm I'm in Manchester, it's a fairly new city. I don't know anyone and I need to be around people that are like me and find them people. Yeah. So then fast forward two weeks about the ceremony Luke introduces me to himself and he basically says oh like I used to run a men's circle in London I've been thinking about doing it and I was just like do it I'll come do mm -hmm. it and he's like would you I was like mate yeah yeah take my number so we exchanged numbers asked a couple of the other guys made a whatsapp group me and me and Luke went to the first one and then I think it was seven nine eleven thirteen people so if somebody wanted to find out a bit more, possibly Paris, or yeah. come to the men's group, it's open to the public, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It so what I'll do when we post this video, when it goes live underneath, I'll put a link to your Facebook so that somebody can message you if they're interested. We did. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Paris Brooks, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved pleasure listening to your story and finding out about your journey and crypto I've got to go away and try and process everything you told me, I think. <laughs> and especially the bit about the mining, that blew my mind. But I really, really appreciate you coming in. Um, you're a beautiful soul and a cool motherfucker. <laughs> appreciate so, you too. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Okay, folks, thanks very much for watching. I'm going to leave you with a quote from my book, From Pills to Peace. The music you hear inside is your dharma. Dance to it. This has been Midnight McBride. You can catch me every week on Salford City Radio, 94.4 FM at 11 till 12 p.m. or midnight till midnight. You can catch this show twice a week 
actually three times a week now on YouTube. And then three days later, it also comes out on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google, and various others. You can buy the book on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. You can also get the audio book on Amazon, ACX, and iTunes. And you can catch me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can also go to the website midnightmcbride.com. Thanks very much for watching. I hope you've enjoyed the show and I'll see you next time. Shalom.